Welcome to the Road to Wellville podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Terrell. Together, we will explore our own wellness journeys, nurturing body, mind, and spirit. Join me as I talk to top wellness professionals from all over the world with a wide range of backgrounds and specialties. I invite you to discover, discuss, and design your own path on the road to Wellville. I am so psyched to have you on the Road to Wellville podcast today, too. Your energy is just amazing. So I'm really excited to introduce you to the listeners. And I wanted to start by saying this is the first podcast that I'm doing of 2021. And I love that you're my guest. Like, I just love that I'm, like, setting the intention with this energy. And Mm. also, today happens to be when we're recording. It's 1-11, right? It's January 11th, and it's 1 o'clock right now. It might be like 1 o'clock by now. How beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, and I've been doing this um, manifesting challenge with Gabby Bernstein, and I'll link it in the notes, too. And one of the things that she talks about is looking for a, um, a sign you know, like kind of seeing this prayer and looking for a sign, like, am I moving in the right direction and um, asking the universe for a sign. And I actually read her book um, years and years ago with, with this idea. So I started mm. with this whole, um, this whole sign thing. And my sign has always been uh, repeated numbers. My, my birthday oh, is December 12th, which is 1212. And mm-hmm. I just find like lately um, I've been planning this trip uh, coming up and I'm like, do I do it? You know, with everything going on. And then as soon as I sent like the email saying, yes, I'll do it. I noticed it's 11, 11, just anytime I'm making these decisions, I'm like always seeing these sequential numbers, which tell me that I'm like on the right path. And so I just I love, that. love that we scheduled this podcast for one 11 at one o'clock. It's really cool. So <laughs> it's all wanna... in the flow. Yeah. It's like numerology is there. Yeah. Well, so, happy belated um, birthday. Thank you. Thank you. No, <laughs> You're welcome. They come up really fast these days. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any kind of signs that, or do you do any kind of practice like that? Maybe yes, that, actually, I, I was going to follow up. Um, my numbers are 1023 and I've been seeing them since I was about seven years old. And they actually started to come into my life after my great grandmother had passed away. The very Mm. night she passed away was the first time that I saw 1023 on the clock. And without ever trying, it was always when I looked at the clock, either in the morning or at nighttime as I was falling asleep, it would be like the last numbers I would see. And through the years, there have been synchronicities with like my jersey number being 10 and my best friends being 23. And so I think it's the same notion that whenever I'm like, uh, am I on the right track? Is this the right path? And I see those numbers, they're always super encouraging. For example, I just LLC'd my business back in <gasps> November and I got a bank account and all those things. And I got the, um, the card for my bank account for my business and the expiration date is 1023. So it's like those beautiful synchronicities. So I call them my angel numbers because I would like to believe it's like my grandmother coming through as like a guardian angel would and that she's always guiding me through life even though she's left her body physically like energetically she's still here. So it's, it's one of those like beautiful reminders that signs can be they can be all sorts of different things. They can be reminders from guides. They can be guardian angels. They can be a higher consciousness. It's just how we want to like determine them and how 
we you know want to depict their meaning in in our lives so absolutely oh my gosh I love that I had this like intuition I was like I think she might have a connection to numbers too (laughs) yeah that's so cool all right well I'm so glad we got started but let me introduce you to my listener I know you so well already well actually not so well but I feel like I do but um, I just wanted to introduce um, you today and tell the listener what we're going to talk about today Um, so today we're discussing yoga and energy and creativity with my guest Portia Eve Portia is an actress, a model, a yoga teacher, and I feel so lucky to call you my friend as well. Mm. Uh, Portia, we met back in, I think it was 2013 when we were doing a production together of Great Gatsby. I have found so many people I resonate with through the acting world. So I'm so excited that you're one of those. Yes. And it was such a fun experience. And I just remember the first time I met you, you just had the most lightness of spirit that just kind of radiated through and all that you do you seemed super intuitive and just authentic and it's just been such a joy to watch you over the years Um, we've both kind of grown and changed and kept up with each other and you've become a mom and I've seen you kind of follow and create this spiritual path for yourself and now you become a teacher and a guide as well so I'm so excited to hear about what you're up to and and share your adventures with the listener Wow, that was all like such high praise. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I am so honored. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. I remember back in 2013, as well, I was still um, kind of on this train of like, I'm never gonna have kids, I'm never gonna get married. And I remember playing with your daughter outside of rehearsal one day and kind of thinking to myself, like, this could be kind of fun. Like maybe being a mom could be cool. Like, uh, but you know, whatever, that's never going to happen to me. And kind of like moving on. So it's interesting to come full circle and kind of remembering that memory and now talking to you as a mother, it just, yeah, it comes full circle. So super honored to yeah. be here and really excited to dive into all the topics. Absolutely. So cool. And just going back to you playing with my daughter, like you were such a natural, like there, there's oh. no way that I would have known that you had already decided against children or any of that stuff because you're just a natural with kids. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it kind of ties in with that lightness of spirit. Like you always just seemed yes. like you were following your joy, like kids do, mm-hmm. you know? Which they is, do. Yeah. We can totally learn so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's yeah, why my daughter absolutely. was so attracted to you. It's like, wow, she's so fun, you know? And <laughs> follows joy, is, you know, a great, um, great trait to have. I work on that Thank a little you. bit every day. <laughs> that's yes, I work yeah. On. Definitely. So I was hoping that maybe we could start with a little like meditation together just to kind of align mm. our energies and kind of get yeah. into the same space. And um, I was practicing with someone today named Angela Chambers, and I was just mm. uh, introduced to her. And I will also link her Instagram in the comments here. And uh, she's a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, and um, she works with a lot of energy, chi. And so we did this little practice and um, I'm not going to repeat it, but it was, I was really inspired. And I know that we're going to talk a little bit about Kundalini yoga and kind of movement. So I'm going to see if we could both close our eyes and listener, if you are in a good place where you can close your eyes, I'd invite you to close your eyes too. And take a deep breath in and let it out through your nose. And again, 
And now continue your breathing, but begin to sway your body from side to side. And just moving your spine and letting that energy kind of flow around your body, feeling it. And letting it just be one movement. So letting your neck kind of get into this and your shoulders could be like a rocking back and forth or side to side even in circles, just kind of moving the energy through the spine and letting it follow the neck, the shoulders, the arms. And now with your eyes closed, visualize yourself as a tall tree with many, many leaves. And the leaves are different colors. You've got some green leaves and some red leaves and some brown leaves. And now as you're gently moving, just visualize some of those maybe brown dead leaves that are just ready to leave you to start gently falling to the ground. And now visualize the earth is absorbing those leaves. It's taking those leaves in and just like the leaves of a tree that fall nourish the roots, we're shaking off this kind of old energy but that energy is going into the earth and the earth can take it and the earth can transform it. And our roots of our tree can absorb it into a new form to kind of lead us and energize us forward. Shaking off that old energy. It's not going anywhere. It's just gonna be transformed. Take one more deep breath and let your spine come to a neutral spot. And after holding this image for a few seconds, gently blink your eyes open. And take in that new energy. Wow. That was a super quick version of it, but it was so good. It was <laughs> and I so loved good. it. I mean, I'm sure I didn't do it justice. She probably has a YouTube where she does way better, but that was just a nice way to start. Oh, it was so beautiful. And I was just talking to my partner this morning. I was like, I feel like I really need to do a cleanse. Like I feel just like stuff physically and energy like that just needs to go like and so the imagery was so synchronistic in that it's just like you said with numbers and signs it's like another one of those signs so I'm definitely going to be doing a cleanse <laughs> that was my confirmation <laughs> yeah yeah and I love this idea of like the energy like isn't going anywhere it's just being transformed and coming back yeah. into us you know just like mm -hmm. in the world <laughs> mm -hmm. all right that. so talking about coming back to the beginning. Um, I know that many of us on this wellness journey have a story or an experience of kind of how we got set on this path. And I was wondering if you had um, sort of a, a story from your life that you would like to share that was transformative maybe from the beginning of your journey. Yes, so I, I think I had little micro awakenings, but the biggest one was becoming pregnant at 22. Um, not a lot of my friends were thinking about children at that time. I had never really been thinking about children. It was quite a shock for me. Um, and it made me realize that there were more people in the world, that I had 
so much more to contribute and that I had this little being inside of me that I needed to take care of. And it was this big spiritual awakening in the sense of my body had always been there and I always had the opportunity to take care of myself, but my pregnancy and the way that I took care of myself during my pregnancy was the best I've ever taken care of myself. And I remember getting really emotional quite a few times thinking to myself, you know, this, this has always been, so why did it take something else to come in for me to have to realize and recognize like, wow, we're so powerful in obviously both men and women, but women in their temples and the portal that we provide and just the greatness of our bodies. It was a big thing that catalysted me into my pregnancy and uh, big, you know, through my pregnancy catalyst um, streamlined me through to my spiritual journey. So I definitely feel like it got a little worse and I fell into a little bit of a depression before it got better, but my pregnancy overall and having my daughter overall, having a natural birth, um, showing myself how powerful I was, that was definitely the awakening that led to more work down the line. Wow, yeah, a natural birth, that must have been very transformative. That was something that I wanted and I couldn't have it in the end because my daughter was breached, but- um, Oh no. But you know, we all have our own journeys, right? But that must have been very transformative, I can imagine. Um, So you touched on, you know, kind of having some depression afterwards and kind of feeling like, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. it's like this, which everything is, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just wondering, uh, you know, would you characterize that depression? Was it a postpartum experience? You know, what do you think caused it? And, and how did you um, journey through that in a positive way? You know, for any listener who may be going through the same thing. Definitely. I, didn't recognize that it was postpartum right away because I didn't realize that postpartum could come as a late onset. So I transformed into a mother in the infant stage really well. Like I just remember getting all of these compliments of like, you're a natural, you're doing so well, you've got this in the bag. It's like, you've been doing this your whole life. But right around six months, when your baby starts to become a little bit more active, they don't nap at the same times anymore. I was not really being able to go and have lunch with people because she wouldn't sit in a restaurant anymore. Um, I wasn't, you know, I had to start planning around her new nap schedule and I wasn't getting the time to myself that I had been getting before. And it took me a while to come into realizing maybe this is postpartum. And I called that like my first step of just becoming aware of like, okay, I don't want to say that I felt like something was wrong with me because I don't think that you're wrong in having any kind of depression or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. And it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. It's a hormonal imbalance in the body. It's a very real thing, but it's not wrong. But it wasn't until I acknowledged it. You know, I think awareness to acknowledgement is a big step because we can be aware of something and never change it. But the first step to changing something is to acknowledge that there is something to change. And once I was able to acknowledge, yes, this is postpartum, I was able to take action. I also think at the same time, I was experiencing um, kind of what yoga calls the first knot of um, spirituality. So like the first knot of your kundalini rising. 
in which I had become aware that there was so much more to life and so much more to the world, but I'd also become aware of the things I wasn't proud of that I knew that I would need to face. And so it kind of keeps you in this place where you've had a taste of spirituality, but you know, the next part's going to be a lot of hard work. So what I decided to do was to more so focus on the fact that my postpartum depression was really, and I think this goes for all women, was really more so a, a grieving process of grieving my old life and grieving the woman I was, or, you know, the girl that I was before. And now I was a woman and I needed to have different patterns, different activities that match that frequency in order to continue on my life. And so I had a really hard time in the grieving process because I was holding on to this girl that I used to be. But once I recognized that it wouldn't be bad to change and it, it wasn't a bad thing that I wasn't that girl anymore, that it was how my mind wanted to perceive it, I was able to start calling people more. I wasn't trying to handle it all on my own. I was making more art. I bought a jogging stroller so I could boost my endorphins, you know, and none of this happened overnight. It probably took about a year before I started to feel more like myself again um, and a, a new and improved self because I had to shed some of the skins of who I was before and embrace this new person that I was becoming, which is going to be an everlasting process. But that first year, those were the things that I think really helped me movement, moving my body. Um, my yoga practice once my body was healed enough to be able to come back to the mat um and then yeah just like connection with other people and art i think that those things are really helpful in that situation and in any kind of depression yeah those are great suggestions i love your idea of like shedding the skin you know mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're we're doing constantly right and and i think mm -hmm. that motherhood is definitely like a a big shed. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> we're taking yeah. some layers off here. Yeah. And then you touched on grief, which I find so interesting because uh, I've always struggled with that grief. And I agree that um, I don't think our, our culture, our society really views it in those terms, but I think you're so right on, you know, and we're not really taught how to deal with that kind of grief, how to grieve that and like move forward from you know, like you said, that person that we were or the changes that come. So I think that is a really valuable perspective, especially for someone who is going through that, like to kind of see it through those eyes and recognize that it's grief. And then maybe you have a little bit more self-compassion for yourself too, at that mm -hmm. point, which yes, is really definitely. key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all that stuff. That's yeah, I had the same, like I had, um, I think mine was more like a postpartum anxiety, but interestingly, mm -hmm. also it didn't kick in for about a year and a half until my daughter yes. was like 18 months. And it was the same I've with my son too. actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I didn't think it was postpartum. I thought it was this and that and everything else. And, right. uh, you know, tr you know, uh, seeing my doctor wants to put me on Ativan or whatever. And, you oh, know, these man. dental issues, cause I'm clenching my jaw and all this stuff. Mm. And then I'm like, wait a second, let's step back and see what this is. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. It was like this, this grieving process and just kind of this delayed anxiety I think also to do with the fact that now they can run around and get into a lot more trouble yeah definitely <laughs> so like a lot more like nervous about what they're doing so um, thank you for sharing all of that stuff and I just this this is another uh kind of quite like maybe a follow-up question to what you had have just shared um, but if you mm. had anything else to share like what do you wish you had known back at this mm. beginning of your journey um you yeah. know what do you know now that you wish you had known then 
it may sound cliche just because I feel like a lot of spiritual teachers say this, but like a spiritual awakening, it doesn't happen overnight and it's not always beautiful and it's not always linear. So in any given day, it could be all the highs and lows and everything in between. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not spiritual or that your vibration is low. It means that you're human and you're trying to have a spiritual experience. And these tasks of recognizing generational patterns, addictions, habitual patterns that you've invented for yourself, these are not easy tasks to stay connected with and, and to stay present in. And I wish I would have known to just give myself more grace because I think I was in this unraveling process that I was like, more, 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 but it was really hard to deal with. Um, and I just wish I would have given myself a lot more grace. And I, I think a lot of people could take away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Like the self-compassion and mm -hmm. slow your roll just a little bit, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, would you be open to sharing any stories about, you were talking about kind of generational trauma or, mm. um, you know, these limiting beliefs? Um, do you have any personal stories about your transformation around that? Yeah, actually, it's a more recent one that I've been um, playing with in the last like four or five months. But my uh, my family genome is like the perfect soil for addiction and more specifically alcoholism. And with the pandemic last year and being locked in our houses, it was the first time I ever wanted to have alcohol in the house because like I wasn't going out and drinking and um not that that had been a big part of my life, but all of a sudden I wanted it in the house. And so I just started to notice this like obsessive energy starting to come out of me. And I had a really like, my dad's been sober for 25 years and I had a really like nitty gritty conversation with him in which he sort of made me recognize a lot of the alcoholism problems started in my family around 26, 27, I'm 27 now. Um, I had my last drink on my birthday, which was back in August. And so I've been alcohol free for about four months. At the end of this month, it'll be five months. And I feel like this is a huge pattern to break in my family as, I mean, I can't even on my hands tell you how many alcoholics are in my family. So um, this has been really important to me and a huge, huge part in my health journey as like last year was the first time I noticed myself getting cellulite. and just certain parts of my body not functioning well, because not that I was drinking a lot, but I was drinking a lot more than I had. And I didn't want a problem that hadn't begun to get worse. So I kind of cut it out before it even began. Um, and so that's something I've been working through. Yeah, I think um, that a lot of people can relate to that. You know, I definitely, I think my drinking went up once, um, <laughs> once the pandemic hit, you know, and like you said, you're just kind of drinking yeah. at home. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, I don't have to drive anywhere. Like I'm not mm -hmm. paying 15 bucks for a cocktail. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> let's all just like, like get together with our friends, like on Zoom or something and talk mm -hmm. and, and do that. And um, so I think that's very relatable. I think it's, yeah, a lot of that and the obsessive patterns, like you said, I've definitely fallen into mm -hmm. my own OCD a lot more since the pandemic has hit. And so I've had to be a lot more conscious of that. And mm -hmm. I've been the same. I, I mean, I drink here and there, but even now, and I find the more, you know, and it's all different for everybody, but the more I'm practicing and the healthier I am, like I could just have one drink the, one day and mm -hmm. the next day I'm just like, oh, I don't feel good. Like, 
I yeah, don't even want that anymore, good. you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I do feel like the more I move forward, the less I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. But to each his own. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think as long as there's no problem, I started to get thoughts of, am I buzzed enough? Um, did I eat enough to be drinking this much right now? Mm-hmm. And when I was t- saying these things to my father, he was like, do you know who have these thoughts like do you do you understand who has these types of thoughts when they're drinking and I was like yes I understand that these are mm-hmm. alcoholic thoughts mm-hmm. and even though I'm not that far down the road yet mm-hmm. and I'm still young my grandpa is my biggest inspiration he had a DUI right before his 27th birthday and had his last dr- uh, drink on his 27th birthday and he's 74 now and hasn't had a drink since so I know that it's possible that you know I also think to in the last like four months I've noticed how much people normalize like borderline alcoholism in Mm -hmm. a way that's really not healthy like you know the kind of like the wino moms and like you know every Mm -hmm. I'm not judging to each Mm -hmm. their own but I do think that there should be more normalization and that like we don't need alcohol in every single social setting Mm -hmm. and and that it's okay to like hang out and have some tea and hang out and Mm -hmm. have some kombucha and like that it doesn't always have to be centered around this like this thing Mm -hmm. I am so into my flavored kombuchas now and I just started making a water kefir and like putting fruit in there it's just like a cocktail (laughs) oh my gosh I love you're gonna have to send me some recipes because I've been really into the mocktails we started making our own kombucha at home so yeah I'm really like I'm like super into just finding that's like also been the fun part about it I think is finding drinks that are actually healthy for you and also taste good and are also you know like you can have more than two because they're not gonna make you feel a certain way or upset your stomach or what have you right you actually feel better the next day yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah I made kombucha I've been making kombucha for a couple years now but I just started with the water kefir and that's easier like it just takes like 24 to like 48 hours um and Mm -hmm. it's it's a different taste I will definitely um send you some recommendations on that if you're into it because yeah like we put raspberries in it we make like a mojito one um that's so good yeah Yeah, definitely and it's got that kind of little like you know alcohol tang or like spark or whatever you call it you know (laughs) yeah sparkling water has been my saving grace (laughs) yeah so I wanted to talk about you know healthy practices and um yoga and I would just love for you I know that you have quite an interesting journey with yoga and I'd love for you to share how uh, yoga has impacted your life so far in your I'm going to say short 27 years (laughs) because I'm a bit older than you (laughs) (laughs) well um, yes, I would love to tell this story. It is a little bit of a whirlwind, but I think, uh, I think it's important because I started doing, I started practicing yoga 11 years ago when I was 16 and, uh, I was intro- I was a competitive swimmer. I was in high school at the time. I was a sophomore in high school and we started to incorporate yoga into our dry land practices. And we were doing yoga through P90X. So I don't know if like you're familiar, if the listeners are familiar, but this is like core power, hold yourself in plank for seven minutes. Like I just, uh, I wasn't about it. I remember thinking like, I hate yoga. This is horrible. Why would anyone voluntarily do this stuff? Like, I just remember having this total like first experience with yoga that was not favorable. And 
it wasn't until I graduated high school and I found a yoga studio kind of by accident, actually. I was sort of forced to go to the first class. My mom had a friend who owned a gym and right across from the, the it was like in an industrial place, um, was a yoga studio and they happened to be friends. And so she was like, just come take a free class. Like, I promise what you experienced with P90X yoga was not real yoga. Like, I really want to help shape and you know, just even if you don't come back, at least you can get a taste of like what real yoga was. And if you still don't like it, then great. And so this opened up a whole new world for me as she did meditation, she did pranayama, she did, uh, you know, asana movement that wasn't so strenuous on the body, but was still like filling its purpose of creating space in the body. And it completely changed my entire perspective on yoga I came into a deep love for it and I was going to her class like every single week um, for as long as I can remember I don't think the studio is there anymore um, if it is there I don't believe she teaches there anymore but it was a studio called underground yoga and it was really close to my high school but um, after that I do I think that just to interrupt you I think that they um they went to a different location. I think they are still around because I went there too, actually. Oh, I okay. love that they were in that little industrial yeah. area. And yeah, then like I off think the they, gram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're called mm -hmm. Kaya Yoga now or something and they have oh, a different okay. studio. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's the same lady. I didn't know who, who owned it, but I did have some good experiences with good teachers there oh, back good. in the day, the little underground hear. yoga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that they like, you know, continued on because that space was really cool, had some nice artwork in it. And she, there was one thing that in particular about her practice that I remember at the end, she would rub our temples and she would mm -hmm. rub our third eye. And there was just something about that that really stimulated me. And that was like the whole, the whole reason I wanted to go was for her to rub my temples <laughs> and my third eye. Even though I didn't want to do the yoga, I was just like, I'd always look forward to that part of the practice because it was just so relaxing. Um, and as I kind of continued on, I'd say after I stopped going to the studio is when um, I call it like my party girl phase. And I kind of went into more of like a reckless period of my time where I wasn't so health conscious and I wasn't so focused on like growing and spirituality. I was, I was pretty lost in partying and um, the EDM scene and things of this sort. But yoga was always there on the back end. I practiced a lot with yoga with Adrienne throughout the year. She's been one of my biggest inspirations to starting my yoga channel. Um, and just in general, I love the way that she approaches yoga. And so Me too. I'd have like an all night bender and come home at like four in the morning and I'd do like an hour of yoga before I went to bed, <laughs> even though I've been like, you know, whatever, just like so not on planet earth when I would be doing it. But I think yoga was always there. Like I call it my constant barometer because it was something that I was always able to come back to. And it was always that path that led me back to myself. And it always helped me kind of think what's next or what's more because life is not just partying and going to work and to fund your alcohol. And, you know, so it was, it was one of those things that was a constant practice that I came back to and eventually catalysted me out of that world and into pregnancy and into my new life as like I like to call it from party girl to womanhood um, oh yeah like, mm -hmm. and I definitely think that you know we honor your party girl too because that was a big yes. part of your learning experience and who you yes. are now and um, you know how you can connect with others 
Absolutely. So I think it's all an important part of the journey for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I had, I've had similar experiences. Um, <laughs> so, and so kind of going to that, you know, like I was saying, you can, you know, always channel those times in your life where, you know, maybe you felt like you were not as aligned, you know, you can kind of channel that to help other people, you know, on their mm -hmm. own, you know, paths. So I was just wondering, you know, how do you help others in what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I mean, I would like to believe after going to, after going to India, I would like to believe that my purpose is helping to help others discover the true nature of yoga because I had that experience with P90X and I've seen how the West can misconstrue and I've seen how the West can make it merely physical when they're, that's just a drop in the ocean of what yoga is. And it's become my path to God. And so if that makes sense to somebody else, I'd like to help show them how it can be that for them. Of course, you know, you can have a million different words for God. You can have source, universe, what have you, um, whatever you're comfortable with. But I think that that's a big part of my journey. Um, I also work in social media and a big balance that I've learned to strike is the balance of intentional social media use. And so how to be intentional with your time, intentional with your content, and just all in general, like when you're more intentional with social media ends up working for you instead of working it. And the third is kind of channeling that party girl energy. Uh, once, you know, COVID passes and things are a little bit more safe, I want to host yoga and ecstatic dance events that are for the sober community and we can come and do breath work and yoga and then dance after and drink our kombucha and bring our kids and just create community in, in that light because I think that wily energy never really goes away and that's why we see midlife crisis and that's why we see people who have affairs and because there's no healthy channel for that wily energy to come through. And so that's, that's definitely one of those things that's really close to my heart that I feel like I'll be working on that project for a really long time. And it's, you know, I wanted to start it last year, but it just wasn't the time and universe said, like, go focus on other things. But I know it's, I know it's a sole purpose. And I know it's mm -hmm. something that can help a lot of people. So it so resonates with me. And, um, you know, of course, being a mom, being someone who is, you know, aligned to a lot of what you're talking about, yoga, music, you know, having a spiritual experience through these things and sharing food and community. And, um, mm. and, you know, I also, I am originally from England. I'm from London. So I have a lot of family mm. there. And so we travel back there often and um, they have so many festivals there, like music festivals, but that are conducive to bring your kids and being in the yeah. forest and camping together and, and I love that. Like, I think there is definitely mm. a place for that. Um, I took my daughter to Satnam Fest, which is like a Kundalini mm. yoga mm -hmm. festival. Um, she was maybe like 11, I think it's a couple of years ago. And she just had a great time. Like, it was so fun. We took her, we didn't take my little one because he was like little then. Um, but mm -hmm. then, you know, before COVID, I had planned on taking her last April. So April, 2020, I already got my tickets. Like, that's all I wanted for my birthday and Christmas. Like, just, I want my Satnam tickets and I want to take Apple camping and I want to like do the whole thing, you know? And, um, and then of course that didn't work out, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I am so looking forward to that kind of space um yeah. you know moving forward and I think probably you know I think we've kind of talked about this before too is I feel like 
I see COVID as this sort of cocoon time mm-hmm. of like going inward yeah. and doing a lot of work. And maybe that work needed to be done uh, before these spaces were created. I think you know, so just an too. idea. I definitely think so too. I think the whole world just needed to be put on pause so that we could be more grateful for for having events like that, for you know whatever it was that we were putting ourselves deep into. I think we were just starting to take advantage of a lot of experiences that we had. And Mother Earth was like, go to your room right. and think about what you've done. <laughs> and yeah. it was so healing for all of us, including Mother Earth. So I, I think that you're spot on with that. Yeah, I think it'll come up. And, you know, I actually want to talk to you about social media, too, because, I mean, that's yeah. really why I created Wellville uh, for this space, you know, kind of above the noise of social media. I know social mm-hmm. media um, um, it serves a very important purpose for yeah. a lot of people, you know, for wellness professionals, for people seeking mm-hmm. wellness, for people looking for connections. Um, it is very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. But I also know that it's, um, you know, maybe not the best place always for looking for your teacher or connecting. Mm-hmm. And I think really one of the reasons why I feel that way is because, we, you know, we all know it's really created to sell us shit right to get our attention and to sell us stuff so um you know I just was wondering like yeah what are your thoughts on how you use social media like in a in a positive way like in a well wellness space sure so if you had any um, few like tips or something about that yeah definitely and I mean these are like tips I share with my clients and whatnot before I share my tips I wanted to share that there's a quote Um, I don't know who it's by, I'll have to find out, but they say like that the only difference between medicine and poison is dosage. And I think that Mm -hmm. that really applies to social media is the fact that like it can be a distraction or it can be a tool. So it really starts with intention. And Mm -hmm. the three things I typically tell uh, my clients are to post and not to scroll because Mm -hmm. if you can just post, come back, check, you're just not taking in so much through your eyes and your ears as we already have so many thoughts a day that social media just provides so much more noise that's not ours so if you can just post and not scroll then you're good to go um I just I hold that really true I'm I catch myself scrolling I'm like okay (laughs) put that Mm -hmm. down I mean it takes a lot of willpower of course Mm -hmm. if we've grown up with it like I have it's just always been there. So I think we have, as my generation, especially a very big responsibility at teaching balance um, to our children and preaching it and also practicing what we preach. Uh, My second tip, if you are gonna scroll, then have a clear intention for what that purpose is. So, okay, I'm gonna scroll for 15 minutes just because my brain wants to zonk out and I don't wanna think about anything. Put a quick little timer on your phone scroll for 15 minutes and then get off once, you know, your timer is up. It could also be logging on. Okay. I just want to answer all the comments that came in on my last post, or I want to go engage with a couple of profiles and I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to do so. And then the last part of my tips is um, to plan out your content and try and plan a month's worth at a time. And of course it's going to look a little different for everybody. Um, Instagram doesn't need more than two to three posts a week. If you're posting more than that, then you're not really helping yourself in the algorithm. So if you can take eight hours to plan out two to three posts a week, it's about 12 posts a month, 
then you don't have to think about it. You can put it in a scheduler and it'll just go out when it needs to go out. You can just check it about 20 minutes after it posts every day and it streamlines the process and it, it helps to keep you a lot more intentional with your time and getting yourself out there. If you are a wellness professional trying to look for clients, um, then you're not so overwhelmed with social media and you can actually focus on your healing work and what you do. I love that. It's so, it's so funny. Like when you, just before you brought up tip two and you were talking about tip one, I was like, okay, I like that. I like scrolling, but I, I, I have set myself like a timer, you know, yes. because like, you know, I like to see your stuff, for example, you know, yes, like, like exactly. I scroll or I, I'm like, oh, I get so excited. When I see Portia. And I feel like that's been a way that I've uh, kept in contact with what you're doing and other people that are like mm -hmm. on our, on our, um, kind of path, a uh, similar path. So, um, I like the idea of kind of limiting the scroll because I do like and to see I, it. But the, the thing, I guess the thing about social media for me is it's just like, it's not just wellness. It's then it's the politics mm, and the this and the that mm, and everything else. And it's like, oh, that's, yeah. not, that's like, that's what I like. Can I just filter that out? But it's like impossible yes. because it's just there and it's what engages it people, there, right? So it's what I they're will putting say, on there. I will say this was going to be my fourth tip because um, it just popped into my head and it is something I did recently. I would say every three months as well, go through who you're following and just mm -hmm. do a check-in. Does this page still resonate with mm -hmm. me? Have I talked to this person? I mean, of course, you know, we went a long time without talking, but like our pages resonate with each other and our stories resonate with each other. But there's some people from high school that I stopped unfollowing a long time ago because I was like, you know what? We don't share the same views and your content's not necessarily helping me. So and, and I don't think that that's always the reason to follow someone doesn't necessarily need to be like a take, but if someone's posting things that is coming into your realm and then your energy is sucking that up, you have control over who you follow on social mm -hmm. media. And I think sometimes we forget that because we just like mm -hmm. follow, follow, follow. I always like to go back and just see like, okay, you know what? This page totally resonated with me a year ago, but lately it just it hasn't really been jiving. So maybe I'll come back and check on them in a couple of months and see like where they're at then. And I go from there. And I think um, even my friend the other day, she's like, I just deleted 200 people off my social media and it is the most beautiful place to be right now. So I was like, okay, go girl. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. So, I needed to so hear I that. I need to hear that. One. Yeah. I don't think I take the time to do that personally. And it's, and now I just made an analogy sort of like, it's like your closet, right? It's like going through mm -hmm. and seeing like, what don't I wear anymore? And then exactly. the whole Marie Kondo thing where then you're like, oh, my closet, it's like totally resonating with it. I love everything that's in there because <laughs> I just, you know, let it go. Yeah. And it's not like, I hate this dress, but it's just not bringing me joy anymore. Let it bring exactly. joy to somebody else. Exactly. So you can <laughs> do the same thing on social media. <laughs> I like that. Yes. I'm going to do that for sure. Yes. All right. So speaking of taking the time and doing these things, I know that you are a mama of a very busy, yes. active, beautiful <laughs> little girl. Um, so I was also wondering, you know, how do you how do you juggle all of it? I know you kind of talked about your social media and planning out your social media. That's a great tip. Um, yeah. Did you have any any other kind of things that you do to help balance it all? <laughs> yeah, so um, I think the first thing I always remind myself is that my daughter is my why. And like, whenever we start to get a clouded judgment or we're starting to feel stuck or we're going into analysis paralysis, I always just go back to my why. Like, why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? Why, 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 why? Your why is always going to trump the how. It's always going to overcome the how and it's it's gonna just fuel because you're you know, like for me, 
my why is financial freedom to spend more time with my daughter. And I'm really passionate about homeschooling her. And so I'm working really hard to create different revenues of income. That way I can stay home with her. And that's my why. So that fuels everything that I do. So coming from that place, um, then I can move in different directions. I've been blessed to have a best friend who's been a nanny for over 10 years. Now, she doesn't necessarily watch my daughter all the time, but she is constantly giving me advice. And the biggest advice that I've taken away lately that has been so helpful, my daughter's an only child, and I'm sure that you went through with this with um, your daughter as well, because she was an only child until she mm -hmm. was a little bit older. And um, so this is the power of self-play. And I essentially will just pick out um, like three or four sets of her favorite toys. I'll get her set up. I'll get her a little snack and some water. So she has everything she needs that she couldn't, you know, she knows how to use the bathroom by herself now. And I'll tell her mommy needs 45 minutes. And after I'm done, we can play hide and go seek for an hour, you know, like whatever you want. And I, I make sure that it's like an activity with me versus like a Halloween treat or something, you know, like I want her to know that it's okay for us to take time apart because then we're going to come together and do something fun. And that way she knows that, it's not all work, 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 work. Like I'm trying to establish what I want her to see as me as an adult. And then hopefully she takes those, those things on as she grows and she gets older. So like leading by example. And that has been the biggest lifesaver. Cause if I need mm. to run and, and create mm -hmm. some last minute content for a client, or I'm just feeling a lot less stressed lately as she has, you know, she still struggles. Sometimes she's like, I really don't want to play by myself right now. And Sometimes I have to just ignore her and 10 minutes later, she's playing with her toys mm -hmm. just fine. So, you know, and it's not that I do that often, but sometimes they need a little nudge of like, Hey, and it's okay. And it's good for her too, because she's been, she's been learning the difference between being alone and being in solitude. And I have really been mm -hmm. trying to uh, establish that because she started to do this thing where she would say, I'm lonely. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I hear you. And I, I, be where you're coming from but I spend a lot of time with you for you to be lonely mm -hmm. and and I think that the loneliness is coming out of a misunderstanding that you're in solitude right now that it's okay to be alone you have your toys you have your snacks mm -hmm. mommy's in the next room sometimes it's good to be by ourselves and have that powerful mm -hmm. in individuality and independence and for me I, it's taught me to not like I have to be really intentional because I'm like, okay, the timer is on and I literally have 45 minutes to mm -hmm. do this. And so instead of like scrolling for like 15 minutes and then mm -hmm. doing it or like trying to go do the dishes, I'm like, no, this is my task and I'm going to get it done and it's going to be done um, because I have this time that I promised her that I'm going to, and even if I don't get done what I was intending to get done, I will still give her the activity mm -hmm. and I'll still spend that time with her because I communicating to her that there's a balance that yes I need to work in order to have this lifestyle with you but work is not more important than this lifestyle than I want with you so mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of how I've been balancing the mom and and some days it works great and some days it doesn't mm -hmm. and you have to just kind of flow sometimes with like okay it didn't work out today yeah but what a beautiful way to help her get in touch with her feelings. And like you said, kind of learn how to be in solitude. Cause I also grew up an yeah. only child and Me too. Yeah, I don't think that I really learned that for a long time. Like mm. I had to teach myself that. Yeah, definitely. And I even noticed it like coming into being a teenager. And then I also think that's why I got so heavy into partying because I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know how to mm. self-soothe. 
And so no matter what anyone was doing, I just wanted to be a part of it. So it's definitely a good thing to learn and teach our children. Um, so it's something they can adopt early on. Yeah, what a great insight. Yeah, I think I probably felt that way too. I think I definitely probably went along with some things in my teen years that, you know, mm. probably were uh, to uh, escape loneliness at some point. Mm -hmm. um, so I know we talked about having, you know, events and, um, you know, yoga events and um, music events. And so I know that music has been really um, also important in your life as well as yoga. So I was wondering if you wanted to share with us anything about, you know, how music has impacted your life. Yeah, music has been a big part of the spiritual journey. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, I was, I was pretty heavily immersed in the EDM scene from like about 18 until I was about 21. Um, I think in between those years, I went to like over 20 raves and like underground events and just never really stopping and always going, going, going. But you know, I'd like to believe that we're all spiritual beings, but we're just at different levels of awakeness. And so I felt like EDM was one of the places that I had like a premature spiritual experience just in the fact that I could dress the way I wanted to dress and I could dance the way I wanted to dance and that people were gonna love me and accept me no matter how I showed up. And this was also when I cut my hair really short. And so people were really encouraging in the scene. Um, like, oh, I love your hair. You're so brave, you know? So there was always this, this uh, energy about the EDM scene that had me coming back. But as I've gotten older and as I became a mother, I started to see the degenerative nature of that scene um, that it's really powered by a lot of different substances that aren't necessarily the best for us. And I don't think that the substances take away from the realness of people's experiences, but I do think that it can cloud the judgment of people. And over the years, I felt a lot less love at these events. And I felt a lot more calling to like ecstatic dance events. And I felt myself called a lot more into like Kundalini events and things of that sort. Um, yeah, I just think that there, what was love and unity before in the rave scene, it kind of started to dwindle out. And of course, this is my experience. There's still mm -hmm. a lot of people out there doing it um, and probably don't feel the way that I do at all. But in my own experience, I just kind of felt like, you know what, this is coming to an end for me. I've gotten what I've needed here. I've given what I've had. And it's, you know, it's been a beautiful ride. So um, after I went to India, however, I uh, was introduced to Kirtan. And that just completely changed my whole view on music. And it helped me come into a place where I recognized that lyrics and music have energy and frequency, just like everything else. And it really had me checking a lot of the music I had been listening to, like, oh, is this what I'm chanting? Is this mm. what I'm trying to invoke? And I really had to go through a lot of my old music and get rid of it. Even if I liked the beat, if the music and the words were not resonating, I had to be honest with myself that like, okay, that's not the kind of energy I want to attract anymore. And it's, I've had a complete musical change in 2020. So it, it, it's been an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Almost like affirmations, huh? It's like yeah. you're repeating this affirmation to yourself. It gets mm -hmm. into that subconscious and um exactly and it can wreak havoc even if you are not conscious of it yeah I totally yeah. agree 
Yeah, can you exactly. tell for our listener who may not be experienced with Kirtan, can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit more about what that is and your experience with it? Yeah, Kirtan is mantra music and mantra are, you know, I mean, I, I think mantra is universal, but it also originates from the Sanskrit language, which is an ancient Indian language. And um, some mantras don't have any meaning. The meaning is up for the listener to decide for themselves or for the practice, the person practicing the mantra to determine themselves in the moment. Uh, others do have meanings to them. And um, they're always very powerful, like Om Namah Shivaya is calling upon Shiva to remove and cleanse any uh, disillusion so that you can shine forth, you know, and uh, there's the Gayatri mantra, which is all about calling in the sun goddess, and it's the same thing, like, burn me away of my, you know, delusions so that I can shine forward, like shining arts, and and I, I just think that all of the mantras are so, so potent, and when I experience chanting them in a group there's just something else other otherworldly that happens like you're you're with all of these people you're invoking this like sacred mantra and I mean to be honest we did 108 rounds of the medicine buddha um the medicine buddha mantra and I just remember feeling like I was spinning. Like I just, I was like, wow. Like I've never felt so high, like on my own supply before. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, it's really, really beautiful. So that's another thing I want to start is like some type of a kirtan community or find one to join because it's so, so powerful. It's just prayer music. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Mantra has been very transformational for me as well. I know when I started Kundalini Yoga, I remember going to my first class and, you know, people chanting the mantra and I'm like, I don't know what this is. And it seems so weird, but I just felt so yeah. many um, amazing changes like shortly after that. And now that's yeah. my, that's my morning practice. You know, I do 11 minutes usually it. of um, a mantra. Do you have any um, favorite artists? Like I love, I don't know if you know oh. Ajit Kar or like um, Jai Jagdish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of both of them, and then um, Krishna Das, and as well oh, yeah. as um, who am I thinking of right now? It'll come back to me, but that's okay. Yeah, yes, whenever <laughs> yeah, you remember have, it, I do yeah. have a quite quite a few that I've. Oh, Yogi is one of my favorites. Also, I love what he's done with music and how yeah. he's like kind of bridged two worlds that wouldn't. I mean, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And um, this kind of is going to go to um, what we're talking about, but I'm going to transition a little bit. So when I was talking about some of the mantra, I I usually resonate with it's it's a lot of Kundalini and it's um, it's in the Sikh language of Gurmukhi. Um, And you told me about something that I had never heard of before. So when I started practicing Kundalini Yoga, I was I went to this you know old house in Santa Ana and we were doing Yogi uh, Yogi Bhajan Kundalini Yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we were you and I were talking, uh, you were telling me about Himalayan kundalini so um and I you know I've been practicing kundalini for since before my daughter was born she's 13 so I guess probably about 15 years um and I had never heard of Himalayan kundalini I mean I haven't gone through teacher training um but I mean I've done uh you know like a hatha teacher training and I've read the yogi bhajan books and I just didn't know about this Himalayan kundalini so can you tell us a little more Yeah, of course. Um, So I actually started just so that you know, too, I started um, like 
when I wanted to become a teacher, I started doing a lot of Kundalini as taught by Yogi Bhajan. And that was the catalyst. I thought that that would be what I would get my teacher training in originally. Um, but what I had discovered is that I really wanted to travel to India. And in, in India, they don't teach a lot of his um, practices because a lot of those teachers are actually already here mm -hmm. in the West because mm -hmm. he came to the West, you know what I mean? So, but I had this really big calling to go. So that was why I ended up certifying in what's called Sattva Yoga. I went to Sattva Yoga Academy in uh, the Himalayas. And so Himalayan, and so Kundalini is just in general, it's just a practice that started back in 100 BC. And I think what, um, so there's different variations based on location. And so there was a Himalayan Kundalini tradition that was passed down through the lineage and Basically, the only difference is that it originated in the Himalayans and they use Sanskrit instead of the other language, um, which I don't know how to pronounce as well as you do. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm doing it, it right, but, <laughs> but it sounded pretty good. I was I was just like Googling the other night. So I was like, I don't remember Yogi Bhajan's language. But yes, yeah, so the Himalayan and a lot of the practices are very, very similar. Breath of fire, breath of light. Um, so I think that there was probably quite a big influence on Yogi Bhajan from Himalayan Kundalini. And I love Yogi Bhajan's work. That's definitely like the most alive and electric that I've ever felt is doing that type of yoga. Um, but those are, yeah, those are the big differences, just the language and the, uh, you know, the origin of where it started. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good to know. I, I, I talk, I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast that have also had transformative experiences with Kundalini. Um, so yeah, I, it's one of my favorite things to practice. It's really my, my daily, even if I don't do asana in a day, like I will always do a little bit of mantra, yeah. Kundalini mantra in the day. Um, so I, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I just wasn't sure if you had, you know, I really like telling stories on this podcast, obviously. Yeah. And um, we were just talking about music and how it can be transformative. And I didn't know if you had like a story or a thought or a moment when you realized that you wanted to take, you know, this thing that you had gained from music. And, you know, you talked mm. about this energy from the EDM scene. And um, mm. it almost seems to me like you've taken that energy and transformed it, you know, kind of in a different direction, but you have, you, you yeah. still have it, you know? So I was just wondering if there was like a, a moment where you, you know, something that you kind gained from really. the scene and kind of how you transformed it. Absolutely. So The number one thing, and, and this might sound cliche again, because if any of your listeners are into the rave theme, and they, they're going to know what I'm talking about. But the way that I learned raving and EDM was through the, the principles of PLUR, which is peace, love, unity, and respect. And I kept those true to myself at EDM scenes and outside of it. Like, they always used to say like, oh, it's all plur until we hit the parking lot. But I was plur in the parking lot and in, you know, <laughs> and in the scene. So so I was like, I carried those principles with me in and out of the scene always. And as I kind of felt those principles not really being passed on to new people coming into the scene and people coming in for more of like the drugs and the party and the, you know, whatever, what have you, a lot of those principles started to dwindle away. So 
if there's something that I've taken um, from the scene, it's those principles and I still hold them really, you know, I don't like run around saying like, I'm a plur baby, because like, I think that if you have to say that you're plur, then you're kind of not because mm-hmm. if you're embodying that, then it should speak for itself. But there was one particular evening it was probably the last it was the last EDC I went to and um, it had been a really cold weekend and uh, we just decided not to go the last night because we were like you know it's cold we have to check out in the morning let's just like save our energy and and I just spent it in the hotel room with my partner but at one point we needed to go out and get food or do something and I'm not sure what exactly we were going outside for but when we did go outside I saw someone you know and they were dressed just like they would be going to EDC and she had all the bracelets and stuff on and she was crying into her hands. And I like, I don't know, my partner wasn't trying to be rude, but he, I think he might've just been hungry. He was kind of like, Hey, let's just like, let's go. I was like, no, like, I can't just leave this girl crying. Like she's right outside of our hotel room. Like we need to see what's wrong. Like, I, I don't know, it could be something you, it, like it could be something serious, you know? And so I sat down next to her and I was like, is it okay if I put my arm around you? And she was kind of like, you know, like, sure. Like, <laughs> and like, I just start, you know, I finally got it out of her. Like, what's going on? Like, how can we help? Like, no one should be this upset on the last night of EDC. Like, what are you going through? Um, and she just basically told me this like horror story of her friends and how like, they kept ditching her all weekend. They like were using hotel tonight. So they were getting hotel rooms and then like switching the next day. And it just seemed really hectic and a lot of like miscommunication and and not really like including her in the plans. But the final catalyst of the story that really put me over the edge was that they had all just left her and she had no ride back to California. Mm. She was literally stuck in Las Vegas. And I just... (laughs) I just remember this moment like I looked at my partner and he knew I was about to ask her where she lived and I could see in his eyes he was like please don't ask her I was like where do you live in California and she said I live in Rialto which I live in Rancho Cucamonga that's two cities over I was like girl we live in Rancho we can take you home it's fine like don't even worry we're here in the same hotel like let me give you my number so we can like reach out to you in the morning and you know she she just like again started crying she's like nobody has been this nice to me all weekend like I don't know what I deserved have you stopped but like thank you so much and we went our separate ways at that point she ended up texting me that one of her family members was like coming to get her so we ended up not taking Mm. her home but it just showed me how ugly the EDM scene was getting and that people were more concerned with partying than their friends and that was when I was like okay no more and I didn't go to another event until actually I had come back from India. And this was this was the event where I was like, all right, I'm taking what I learned from this and I'm moving on. Cause like, there's just no more. So it was the last event that I went to before COVID hit. And I was just being stubborn, you know? I was like, okay, maybe it's still there. Like maybe the love is still there. I just have to try one more time. Maybe it was just cause it was EDC and it was a big festival and maybe a more intimate show is gonna be different. And maybe then we'll just stick with intimate shows. And like, I just really wanted to hold on, I think. And at this show, it just felt like everyone was a zombie or a robot. I just remember kind of like taking a pan, like a panoramic view of the room of everyone dancing. And it just, it just seemed like everyone was like marching in line like not looking at each other, not dancing with each other, not interacting. There was like fights happening next to the bar because whatever, someone cut them. And 
And I just finally like looked at my friends and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just like, this isn't who I, we would have had more fun if we had just danced in our hotel room. You know, it was me and my partner and my other friend and his girlfriend. And we all decided after that night that we would not spend money on shows anymore. That was when um, my events, like the idea for my events actually came out. I was like, okay, would you guys want to do this? Would you guys want to do like yoga and then dance and what have you? And they were like, yes, you need to make that happen. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay. Especially after these two experiences, like there's that scene has its own thing going on now, but we can take the peace and the love and the unity and the respect from it and take that with us going forward. So Mm, hopefully we can get together soon and have those events. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for that to happen. I've yeah. seen a few things like, um, you know, like virtual, but I even tried getting on yeah. it. And I was like, no, it needs it's to not the same. Yeah. yeah that's, why, <laughs> that's why I haven't tried. Cause I'm like, the music is just not going to come through. Right. The energy is not going to come through. Right. Kudos to people who are having those events. But for me, I want to like, I want to wait until we can all be together and, and, yeah. and bring that love together. Yeah. I totally agree. I'm like, kudos to the people who organize this and it's a lot of work <laughs> on to it. And there are a lot of people who are getting good stuff out of it, but I just can't mm-hmm. wait to like be in person, like on a personal vibe again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I stole this question from a different podcast that I love, Elena Brower, but she asks her guests, um, what in the world needs healing right now? And I just feel like this is such an important question because feels like the world needs healing right now. And I started my practice for New Year is to do the Rama Dasa healing mantra, which is Ajit Kar. Mm-hmm. And so I do that mm-hmm. every morning and I'm just focusing on Beautiful. healing myself so I can heal my family, so I can heal my community, so I can heal my world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on healing and, you know, what do you think needs healing in the world right now? Yeah, uh, that's such a good question. Um, and I actually started a positive mindset Uh, sadhana that was available from my yoga academy and so um, I'm about a week into that as I started it on New Year's and so that's how I'm you know because change starts within Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I'm starting within and so to create that ripple effect out but honestly I feel like the lower three chakras of the world and then on an individual level need healing especially after what we went through in 2020 as the root chakra deals with security and safety and a lot of people dealt with losing jobs and struggling with where their next meal was going to come and so I just think you know as as a community, as like a world of consciousness and a world of conscious beings, there's a lot of healing to be done in the root chakra, as well as the sacral chakra, which is where we carry all of our childhood trauma. And if you think about this on earth level, there's a lot of trauma in our, in our earthly plane, in our history. And um, I think a lot of that needs to get healed. And I believe that that starts on an individual level of us addressing our own childhood traumas and replacing you know giving ourselves words that we needed to hear as a child that now we're an adult or maybe our inner child needs um so I I think that like if we can do that on an individual level that ripples out and then our solar plexus chakra that's where our fire lives and right now I don't think that we have a problem with a lack of fire I think that there's too much chaotic fire 
And when we get out of balance in that way, we need some more calming, cooling energy to pull it back into the middle because having fire is so good. It's what, you know, it, it, it's what lights our passion. It's what pushes us to bring the healing into the world that, that the world needs. And I think on an, I think for, on the world as a, as a whole, we're bringing it down and cooling it down. But for individuals, they need to decide, okay, do I need to turn my fire up or do I need to kind of step it back? Because this is, fire is not bad, but when it's destructive, then we need to look at it and say, okay, how can we channel this into a healthier relationship with not just myself, but whatever it is that my passion is and the people involved and my family around me and my friends and my community. Um, so I would say like just a lower chakra healing and I don't know what that kind of healing looks like, but that's just kind of what came to mind when, mm -hmm. when you asked that question. So I would say, yeah, just like if we can individually work on that lower triangle, uh, it will create mass healing ripples into the world. So I would say that's yeah. what needs healing right now. I totally agree with you. And I agree with that idea of like, yeah, I'm just trying to do it in myself and and hopefully it goes out to my family, to my community, to the world. And uh, uh, we don't obviously have time for a full Ayurveda discussion. But when you were talking, I kind of was thinking about, you know, the Pitta dosha, yes. you know, which mm -hmm. is fire. And there are a lot of people, I think, in this world that have a Pitta dominance. <laughs> and I <laughs> yes, know, you know, some of that, you know, like if you're someone who feels like, um, you, you have a fire issue, you know, uh, maybe look into Ayurveda, do one of those, um, you know, kind of yeah. quizzes and see if maybe you're a little, like, how is your Pitta? Are you Pitta dominant or do you need a little more fire? And then, and then in the Ayurveda school, you know, there's always a lot of, um, suggestions of how to mm -hmm. cool that down with salads or, you know, Absolutely. eating salads or what your music, all the different senses of how to either cool that down or, rev it up like I'm very vata so I know I have to like rev up yeah my pitta here and there <laughs> I'm very vata also <laughs> I, I had a feeling <laughs> um all right so I just had a couple more questions um yeah what inspires you where do you find your inspiration from I always find this to be a really hard question um but I don't think that the answer has to be so difficult um for me it's truly like those little things you know like when my daughter just sighs and she's just like, I love you, mommy, you know, or, um, it was my grandma taught me to fall in love with something every day. And that something could be as simple as the birds chirping outside your window or the way that the sun hits your face or whatever it is, if you're open to it and your heart is open and your eyes are open, there's so many things around you in any moment that could be inspirational and so that's where I draw a lot of of my inspiration from just the little things wow I you just totally inspired me I'm going to take that with me fall in love with something every day yeah that's that was like gonna be my mantra best wisdom this <laughs> yes. week I love that for this week for this year I mean just as long as I can't <laughs> fall in love with something I love that that just totally brings you to presence and yeah gratitude and so many things like in that one sentence <laughs> do you have any practical takeaways I mean beyond social media just kind of in life in general I mean you've given us so many like your grandma's words are a practical takeaway for me I just wanted to give some space if there's anything else you wanted to add no, before we close yeah I think I'd just like to remind listeners that they're always in the driving seat of their lives. Um, 
So pay attention to who's driving that car and know that if it's a character that you don't really want drive, like a character within yourself that you don't really want driving, that you're always able to stop, recalibrate, rethink about the path that you want to go on and switch drivers. Um, that kind of goes into like sub personality work, but really just just reminding people that they're in control and that you always have the choice to take control of your life. Because I think that sometimes, and I've been victim of it too, we, we get into a victim mindset where we're like, our circumstances are controlling us. And so to come back into the body and remember like, mm -mm, this is my life and I'm in charge is a, I think it's really important for people to remember. I love that. My daughter and I, we've been um, watching uh, the Twilight Zone. That's like our happy time together here and there. And we just <laughs> watched, it. I think it was last night. I mean, I just, I'm finding it. Yeah, I've watched it before when I was younger, but I'm finding it, especially watching it with my 13 year old, almost 13 year old daughter. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many life lessons in this, you know, and it's so creative. Oh, yeah. I love how it's like art that's teaching us life. And um, I just watched one last night, totally what you're talking about. I think it's called A Nervous Man in a $4 Room. And it was the same. It was huh. kind of this guy looking in the mirror and kind of deciding which part of him was going to drive his life. And I mm. won't give anything away, but I'll, I'll suggest that um, for listeners, you might like that Twilight Zone episode, a little Netflix plug. <laughs> I love it. Are you watching the old <laughs> Twilight Zone or the new one? Yeah. Oh, the old one. Yeah. I haven't seen the new okay. one yet. We've been watching My the mom old one. My mom and I connected over that too. So I love that you're mm -hmm. sharing that with your daughter because we would grow up watching like the marathons whenever they would have oh, like, yeah. marathons and stuff like that. So yeah, I love it. I haven't seen that episode though. So I'm going to have to go and find it. I want to say it's season two because we've been kind of okay. like progressing through the season. She did a, um, for school, she had to read the teleplay for the monsters are due on Maple street, which is a pretty famous oh, okay. one, I think from I season one. one. Yeah. And that's uh -huh. when she kind of got engaged. We watch it together. And then now she's just so into it and we discuss it. Like we get into these deep discussions. She had to write a paper about does perception reflect reality? All this abstract stuff, which I love. Wow, like, I'm like, I'm so I excited. School is teaching her how to think critically and these kind yes. of abstract concepts. Um, I helped her with it a little bit, you know, getting the idea. But anyway, Twilight Zone, just such a great teacher. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of profound information in there that's even still relevant today. So, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think that's awesome. Absolutely. So, um, you can find Twilight Zone on Netflix. Where can my listener find you? and any upcoming events um, that you're doing yeah of course so I'm on Instagram and TikTok mostly I just got on TikTok a little while ago it's been really fun but on both platforms you can find me under forever electric all one word just how it's spelled in the dictionary um awesome and again, I'll also link it uh, in the comments too yeah Yay. Yeah. Excellent. And then I am trying to launch a yoga channel on YouTube by the end of January, possibly early February. Um, I'm just trying to get enough content put together so then I can consistently getting be getting yoga out to you guys. So yeah, so those are, oh gosh, I'll make announcements on my social. I can't wait to practice with you. I can't wait to practice with you. Yeah. All right. Portia, I can't wait either. So much for being here today. This was such a treat to be able to sit and chat with you about all things energy and yoga and what you've been up to. So I, I like to end it by saying um, until next time, because I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor to have this conversation and reconnect and all of that. So yeah, I really enjoyed my time today and until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
To learn more about today's guest and a wide range of other wellness professionals, please visit our global wellness community at wellville.com. W-E-L-V-I-L.com. I look forward to meeting you next time on the road to Wellville.